Well, welcome to Christmas Eve, church. It's uh, good to have you joining us. Boy, it feels so different. Here I am in this empty room, and I'm thinking about past Christmas Eve services where, uh, boy, it would just be packed wall to wall, and we'd sing great carols and celebrate our Lord's birth. One of the unique things about Cedarview is we've always, for 38 years, we've always looked at Christmas Eve as a, a major corporate teaching time. I talked to a lot of pastor friends, and I think the trend is you, you do some carols, show some videos, and maybe read a couple of verses from Matthew or Luke of the Christmas story, and off we go. And we've always taken time to study the, the rich biblical truth of the meaning of, of Christmas. Um, Jesus talked so much about his birth, and it just seems incumbent on a church at this it's a theological time of year to look at the things Jesus said about his birth and the meaning of it. And so that's what we've been doing in this four-part series, Christmas Truth, Making Spirits Bright. This is the last in that series. In some ways, the most interesting, I think, in terms of words that came out of Jesus' lips, the last thing Jesus said about his birth as he was facing his death. The last thing Jesus said about his birth as he was facing his death, get a Bible, let's study together John chapter 18, and I wanna look at verses 33 to 37. John 18, 33 to 37, Jesus coming right up to his crucifixion now when he will be killed. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, and this is a significant point we're going to look at in a few minutes. Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Well, what's the motive here? Is this, is this something you're personally attached to? Or are you just repeating something secondhand? Pilate answered, 35, am I a Jew, your own nation, and the chief priests have delivered you over to me? What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you're a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Now look at these words. For this purpose I was born. Christmas. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world. Here's, here's the reason. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What a text. Look, look carefully at those words of Jesus in verse 37. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. So according to Jesus, like no other time of year, Christmas is all about embracing the person of Jesus, God the Son, embracing him as absolutely reliable, trustworthy, 
and true. That's because Christmas is all about the birth of Jesus, the Christ, God the Son. And, and in our text, Jesus said the reason he was born was to correct the faulty thinking and to replace error with truth, life-changing, heaven-bestowing truth about himself. So he came to give people truth. That's the purpose, he said. Give people truth that they would be eternally lost without. So we're not dealing here with a sentimental Christmas. We're dealing with a rugged Christmas, the kind we need. There are probably some people listening right now who, who, who don't understand or maybe even refuse to believe the testimony of Jesus Christ. And here's what I want to do in this time that we have together. Let me do all I can to awaken you to the seriousness of not responding to the testimony of Jesus, the testimony he said he came into this world to give. Matthew says, when Jesus spoke truth and people didn't believe and people didn't respond, Jesus said that something eternally destructive actually began to take place. I get that very clearly in Matthew 13, 14 and 15, Jesus again is the speaker. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown. It didn't happen suddenly. It grew it's grown dull. And with their ears, they can, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart. And I, I would heal them. On another occasion, John says Jesus was speaking to people, and, and again, they weren't believing him. And John quotes the same prophecy from Isaiah that we just read. And then, and then after that, John says Jesus stood up. So he was sitting down. Get this picture in your head. He, he stands up, and with great frustration in his voice, the text says Jesus cried out. So these weren't soft-spoken words. Jesus cried out to the people. Look at what Jesus cried out. Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me, sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light. So that whoever believes in me may not remain. This is where they are now. He doesn't want them to stay there, to remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them. So there's a, there's a kind of hearing that's, that's just surfacy. Whoever hears my words but doesn't keep them, I don't judge him. I didn't come to the, to judge the world. I came to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words, he has a judge. The word that I have spoke, 
will judge him on the last day. So Jesus' words, that's what, that's what we see there. Jesus' words, the, the testimony to the truth, it'll determine eternal judgment on the last day. So I would urge, I would urge everyone with, with these Christmas warnings from the scriptures to make, make room in your hearts for Jesus, to the things Jesus said, the testimony of Jesus. Because he said the reason he came into this world was to give testimony to the truth. So here's what we're going to do this Christmas Eve. Our text, the one I read from John 18, it has three parts to it. First, there's the uniqueness of Jesus' birth. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come. The uniqueness of his birth. Second, the purpose of his birth is given, to bear witness to the truth. That's in 37. Third, the condition for knowing the truth is given. In 38, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Point number one, the uniqueness of his birth. It's right there in our text in verse 37b, the last part of the verse. For this purpose, notice these words. For this purpose, I was born. And then there's repetition, but it's not quite the same. For this purpose, I have come into the world. So he describes his entrance into this world, and he frames it in two different terms. He describes it as both a birth, I was born, and he describes it as an arrival, I have come. It's, it's the same kind of language that the prophet Isaiah used, predicting Jesus' birth. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The same idea. So there seems to be no mistake in the intention from Jesus' own lips to describe a physical birth and to describe a life that existed before that physical birth. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come, like an arrival. I have come into this world. Years ago, when my daughters were young, I would catch myself the odd time looking at their faces across the table. And, and it just seemed incredible to me that at a certain point in history, not all that long ago in terms of world history, there was absolutely no physical reality behind the names Melissa and Laurel. I mean, those names were just letters strung together out of the alphabet. There were no persons behind them at all. Now, our text says that is not true of Jesus. His human body was born in Bethlehem, but as a person, he existed long before he came into this world. So, so that's why the word we use to describe his coming into this world isn't creation, it's incarnation. Jesus didn't begin his existence when he was born in that major. Listen to how the prophet Micah expressed it 700 years before Jesus was born. But you, 
O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall, shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And so here we start to see the nature of the miracle of the incarnation. It's a miracle greater than just the, 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 the virgin conception. It's a miracle greater than the guiding star. The birth of Jesus isn't the coming into this world of a brand new person. The birth of Jesus is the coming into this world, if I can put it this way, of a very, very infinitely old person. Micah, from long ago, from days of eternity. This is repeated over and over. You can see Jesus expressing the very same truth. John 8, 56 to 59. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And the Jews, they're having a hard time figuring this out. You're not yet 50 years old. You've seen Abraham? Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. They know what Jesus is saying, 59. So they pick up stones to throw at him. Blasphemy. He's saying he's God. Jesus hid himself, went out of the temple. So, so that name, Jesus, that was given to the baby born in the manger to describe his saving mission here on earth. But the person behind that name was living and active, Jesus himself said, before Abraham was ever born. In fact, it goes back a lot further than this. Look at the writer of Hebrews who says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So this is Jesus. Now look what it says. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he, he created, he created the world through Jesus. So not only was Jesus before Abraham, he was, he was before this created world existed. He was there before time as we know it. So there's the uniqueness of his birth. That's the first thing. Point number two, the purpose of his birth. Look at these words again in John 18, 37. Then Pilate said to him, so you're a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world. Okay, that's what we looked at, point number one. Here, to bear witness to the truth. To bear witness to the truth. It's the same idea as testifying or giving testimony about the truth. Like, like a witness. Like a witness in a court case would bring his or her testimony. Jesus came to verify something true. He, he came to, to underscore something we needed to know for certain. I came, this purpose, I was born, I came, that's the first point the birth and the existence before the birth. And I came for a purpose to bear witness to the truth. 
some truths that you needed to know and you would have missed had I not come. Well, what truth? That's the logical question. What truth did Jesus come into this world to verify? What what was so important, so urgent, that God himself had to come? How come he couldn't just text us? Why did he have to come personally? So the purpose of his birth was to give witness to the truth, two truths that Jesus gave witness to. A, he came to testify to the truth that God wanted to show mercy to guilty, sinful people like you are and like I am. I get that in John 3.17, beautiful words. For God did not send his son into the world. There's the birth of Jesus, okay? He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus came into this world to give witness to the truth, two truths. First, witness to the fact that God's heart was tender and anxious to offer loving mercy and pardon to people who deserved judgment. That's why, that's why when you look at our text, it starts, Jesus starts with the the negative side. In 3.17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He says that first. It's stated negatively and then positively, that the world might be saved. But the negative is is stated first because, because judgment is what we would expect. I mean, the verse right before 3.17, the best known verse in all the Bible, John 3.16, just highlights this danger that we're perishing, should not perish. God being holy, we being unholy. What else could we hope for if he's just except punishment? So Jesus said, I've come to bear witness to the truth. This stunning revelation. The first thing Jesus came to give testimony to was that God has something else for us rather than judgment. How can you not study things like that on Christmas Eve? This is, this is the goodwill we sing about. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. The angels sang about Jesus' birth. But, but it wasn't primarily a wish for goodwill between people and between nations. That's almost always the way those words get interpreted at this season. Almost always. The kind of love for one another, it's said to be the Christmas spirit, of course, but, but the angels weren't singing about that. They were singing of good, the goodwill of Father God that was going to be shown to us. The goodwill from God that was going to bring pardon to sinful, guilty people through that baby who would be born to die for their sins. Goodwill, indeed, from God to us. Guilty as we are, We have no need to run from God. Our creator comes with a message of mercy. I didn't come to condemn. I came to save, John 3, 17. 
This is good news indeed. This is, God has good will for sinful people. I said, bear witness to the truth to two things. So God's pardon for guilty people. And B, Jesus came to testify to the truth that eternal life was bound up with his own death and resurrection and the way people would respond to those specific historic events. So many people miss the main truth to which Jesus came into the world to give testimony, and it's this. Saving mercy. I'm not talking now about common mercy. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. Saving mercy is offered only through Jesus Christ. For this reason, I have come. I was born. I have come into the world to to give witness to the truth. That there's pardon and mercy for sinful people. Secondly, that that is only bound up in a response specifically to Jesus Christ. Where do you get that, Pastor Don? Well, in those words from Jesus, but look at these words. 1 John 2.23. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Those are really important words. I mean, Jesus is the doorway to the grace and mercy of Father God. That's, that's what Jesus was giving testimony to. That's why I came into the world, to show people this. He's the entry point into relationship with God. Apart from Jesus, there is no saving mercy to sinners. There's no grace. There's no pardon John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus said, this is the purpose. This is why I came, to bear witness to the truth. Stunningly, the truth that God has a message of mercy for sinners and specifically that that is only received through Jesus Christ or it won't be received at all. At least to the third point. Not everyone believes the testimony of Jesus. Just looking at John 18, 37, we read these words in our opening text. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world. That's Christmas if there ever was to bear witness to the truth, those two truths that we just looked at. God has mercy for wicked people, and it's all bound up specifically in Jesus Christ. There's the truths. And now, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Notice, notice there's, there's this conditional emphasis in Jesus Words. I mean, almost everybody admires Jesus. Almost everybody likes Jesus. Not nearly as many take his words seriously into their hearts, have their lives controlled and ruled by them. So when Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth, hears my voice, he doesn't mean that 
only a certain group comes within hearing distance to the sound of his voice. I mean, all sorts of people physically heard Jesus speak. No. He means that among the many who would know his words, he says only only a certain number respond to his words as true. Only some, not all, give the right emphasis to Jesus Christ and his words. Only some take his words deep into their hearts. Only a certain number ponder the truth of Jesus. Think it through, even on Christmas Eve. People of the truth. I want to give you an example of people taking the truth of Jesus seriously. An example that might surprise you, because we usually use this text as a bad example, and in many cases it is, but I want to show you how it's also a good example of seriously taking the words of Jesus into your heart. You'll know this account as soon as we start reading it. It's from Mark chapter 10, 35 to 41. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, came up to Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And then these words that kind of shock us all, 37. And they said to him, grant us to sit one on your right hand and one on your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. They're going to face the suffering, the persecution, most of them the death. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, the other disciples, they began to be indignant at James and John. So the issue of where they would be seated when Jesus came into his future glory, what I want you to notice is it didn't just come into their minds by accident. There's a reason they asked this question. It's, it's this. Jesus had already been speaking to them. Look at Mark 10, 28 to 30. Peter began to say to him, see, We've left everything to follow you. The rich young ruler, this follows on that. He wouldn't leave his wealth to follow Jesus. Peter thinks, well, we have. We've done a lot better. Peter began to say to him, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters, mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. So, so the disciples started thinking about those words. Jesus, Jesus is the one who had told them he would be mocked, spat upon, buried, and then would rise from the dead and enter his kingdom. Most of the time when this passage with the disciples' request, it's, it's used kind of as a bad example, pointing out the immaturity, the selfishness, the pride of the disciples. Fair enough. They do almost everything wrong in this account. 
I say almost because there's one thing they do gloriously right, and it has to do with taking the words of Jesus seriously. And they took Jesus seriously. They took him at his word about his future kingdom, and they start to act on it right away, improperly. But they start to act on Jesus' promise immediately. We want to be ready. We want to be there. We want to be at these two choice places. Jesus told them he was going to rise from the dead. He told them that he was going to enter another kingdom. And they immediately put their hearts there. They were already banking, however incorrectly, they're already banking on that kingdom. What I'm trying to say is, that's what it means to believe the testimony. For this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Agreeing, knowing, taking the words of Jesus into your heart. That's That's what those two disciples did. If I tell you one company has stock that is about to go through the roof and the stock you're presently investing in is soon going to be worthless, and if you really believe my words, then you get out of your investment and you put your money into another. And if Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that one day he alone will rule and reign a brand new creation and every rival and every other leader and every other thing will be put under his feet. And if Jesus says only those who have committed their whole lives to him and his words would enter his kingdom, what would a person do if he really believes those words? That's the Christmas issue. Jesus said, I I, I came to bear witness to the truth. Are you a person Are you a person of the truth? Do you receive the testimony of Jesus as true? Are you you committed to that truth in the sense of banking into it? Do you humbly embrace God's revelation of his mercy exclusively in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you put aside your own way of viewing life Do you accept the verdict of Jesus that you're a sinner, lost and hopeless without him? Do you accept the truth that you cannot climb your own ladder to God through your own sincerity? Are you a person of the truth? You can't can't just mouth these kinds of truths. That's, That's what Jesus meant in our text. That's what Jesus was saying in verses 33 and 34. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Look what Jesus says. Do you say this of your own? There's the big words. Of your own accord? Or did others say it to you? Your own? Others. More important to Jesus than the question was the motive for the question. Are you asking these words out of a sincere, seeking hunger in your own heart? Are you ready to acknowledge the truth when you hear it? Are you just, are you just parroting what someone else says? Are are you just living off of someone else's commitment to Jesus? Someone else's faith? What's going on? Jesus says, Pilate, what's going on in your heart? Is this coming from you? 
or are you just repeating someone else's words? Are you a person of the truth? And if you take the testimony of Jesus into your heart, you can know Jesus for yourself. You can see the truth of his words. You can experience his saving grace. You can, you can know what he said about eternity. You can receive his love and his mercy. I pray that everyone here will be included in people who are of the truth, who, who embrace Jesus this Christmas as the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. The very best time of the year to study why Jesus came into this world. The, the rugged truth of Christmas for sinful people like we. The grace of Jesus that reaches into this world with the same saving power unchanged over all these years. And so we bless you, Lord Jesus. You came to bring light. You came to bring truth. Holy Spirit, open up our hearts to the love and mercy of Jesus, God the Son, the Savior of the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.